0: Well, good morning, and as I glance over at uh, the crowd this morning, uh, delighted that I see many, many, many old faces. Um, let me correct that, I see a lot of familiar faces, <laughs> and it's good to return for Kathy and I to Snowden, Snowden Baptist Church, and uh, really are deeply, greatly thankful that this church for as long as we've known it has been committed to at least two things among others the two things is that your world does not stop at those doors and at those windows but your world is as large as God's world there's a commitment to to missions in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and your commitment to the heavens and the earth is as large as his and the second thing that comes along with that is an amazing generosity, a commitment to the worldwide activity of God, and then a generous way of supporting that. Fred and Feli, of course, are going home soon. You supported them uh, for a long time. Uh, you supported Kathy and I in our work, mainly in Europe and Africa. And we appreciate and want to publicly say thank you for. Your very generous and consistent, faithful support. Thank you. Now, it was about 5:30 in the morning, early, but uh, Joshua and Miriam were already awake in their small village, somewhere north of uh, Nazareth. In what we know as uh, Galilee, Joshua and Miriam together were busy filling their backpack with special, special toys and uh, little snacks for the journey. And off they went. By six, six thirty, they were off, heading to the coast and the south, and all the way about halfway through the Israel that's uh, on the maps in the back of most of our Bibles. Halfway down, and then they made a sharp left-hand turn heading toward the hills, modest mountains, including Mount Zion and Jerusalem. And there was a high point where they could stop and uh, see in the late afternoon sun the the gold of the temple just uh, flashing in setting sun, and their hearts would skip a beat. They could see Jerusalem. They could see the place they're going. An excitement, certainly for father and mother, but also for their son and daughter. And stayed overnight. And the next day, they were on the way to Jerusalem. And in a wonderfully uh, developed custom over many, many, many years, as they got closer to Jerusalem in very cragged, rough territory, uh, hills and gullies and valleys. Um, They would slowly say something true about their God. And then on a neighboring hillside, occasionally there would be a cousin or a friend they had met in a previous feast. After all, they went three times a year for a week each. So Jerusalem was fairly comfortable, familiar. Three sets of feasts. Seven of them crunched into um, three events, early spring, late spring, and in the fall. So familiar faces would be on neighboring hillsides, and as they would say something true about their God and their commitment and walk with him, on a neighboring hillside they would hear, for his steadfast love endures forever. For his steadfast love endures forever. And of course, getting closer to Jerusalem, the group going in through the West Gate got closer and closer. And the sound reverberated. It was a strong echo as they passed through the gates and into the city there to celebrate uh, one of the Jewish feasts. That's the setting as far as I can put it together for Psalm 136 that Jonathan read for us earlier. So Jonathan or uh, Joshua and uh, Miriam would be comfortable and familiar with all that the song had to say. This song is probably on their lips, and their hearts and on their lips, as they were entering into the Western Gate, one of seven gates, and right really there to celebrate these significant signposts of God's faithfulness to them through the years. So, a lovely song with a setting that you can imagine this morning. And it divides very nicely. It's structured wonderfully well, which a preacher Surely appreciates three verses of introduction of setting the tone, then resounding closure, a conclusion at the very end, verse 26. So one, two, three, 26. And then in between, the camera works from a wide-angle lens of creation, four through nine, and redemption, 10 through 22 to specifically addressing the Israelites then and to us, 2015, today, in verses 23 to 25. So it goes on a wide-angle lens all the way to a telephoto lens, from creation to redemption to suddenly where it becomes very, very personal. It's no longer they, but it's us, in verses 23, 4, and 5. So that's the journey that we're going to take. We'll focus on the content of the psalm for a short while, and then say a few things about uh, the chorus, the refrain that uh, is repeated uh, 26 times. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Three Trinitarian give thanks to open the psalm, and very appropriate for this season in Canada's life together, Thanksgiving Day. And uh, we'll do this again in the America that I would now call home in Colorado because we celebrate the final Thursday of November. So we get to celebrate twice, we get to eat twice. Uh, So when you're dual citizens, you're somewhat larger when that second Thanksgiving is history. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. It sets the tone. You notice, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. for he's faithful. He's angry, but not angry forever. He's judgmental. Some deserve judgment. A number of words could have been chosen. But give thanks to the Lord. Because the bottom line about the God who introduces this psalm is that he's good. He's good. And when we say, Jesus died for us. It's exactly that. He died for us. He's for you. He's not against you. He's got your back. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. The Lord. Tiny, tiny little word. Easy to overlook. But give thanks to the Lord. Suggests the the wonderful, satisfying arrogance of Christian faith. Because it's not that the God we're talking about in this sun is one among many, many different ways to connect with and to make your peace with heaven. It's not even the best way. It's the only way. The picture that I like to use is uh, we sometimes think that um, there's Allah and uh, the collection of Hindu gods and uh, The Buddhism and its distinctives, and Taoism and Confucianism, they're all in the race and they're ready in the blocks and ready for the gun to go off. And they come around the circle. Let's say it's a quarter mile. It's the most challenging race, so I'm told. And then as we watch them come around the far turn, it's Jesus who breaks the date first. And wild cheers break out. Everyone else is gasping and stumbling across the line. But our Jesus is there, hands on knees, but he has finished first very attractive picture but it's wrong our Jesus is the only entry in the race he's the only entry in the race there's no competition to fear give thanks to the Lord give thanks to the the only Lord for he is good and that is spelled out then give thanks to the God of gods the Hebrew there let me show off a little bit of my seminary training. The Hebrew word there is uh, Elohim. It's the Genesis word for the God who creates. And that is spelled out in verses 4 through 9. And then give thanks to the Lord of Lords. And that's Yahweh. Not the God of creation, but the God of conversation. The God who wants an ongoing give and take relationship with us. And it takes redemption to make that happen. So that's spelled out in verses 10 to 22. Genesis gets his due in 4 through 9. Exodus gets his due in 10 to 22. He's Elohim, the creating God. He's Yahweh, the conversational, relational God. The God of gods and the Lord of lords. The top of the hit parade. Uh, Wonderful language starts this psalm. And you notice then, verses 4, the creating God to him, and that's repeated in verse 10, the, the, cre- the uh, redeeming God to him. The same things alert us to the main uh, chunks of uh, instruction in the Psalm. To him who alone does great wonders, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And there you have the themes of creation and redemption. God made the world good. Um, we threw a spanner in the works and it all went so wrong in Genesis 3 but God said Adam where are you I still want a relationship with you I'm chasing you Adam where are you he knew where Adam was but did Adam know where Adam was and that's where the redemption story slowly gets underway and it hasn't stopped so creation give thanks to the God of creation he alone does great wonders by understanding, made the heavens spread out the earth upon the waters, great lights, the sun, by day, the moon and the stars to govern the night. So a good season, again, to remind yourself that when you look around at the world that God has made, um, the snowflakes that will come in their incredible variety in just a few weeks. Sorry to be a wet blanket here, but they are coming, so I understand. It also snows in Colorado, but it's gone 24 hours. Uh, so we're even more thankful than you are. Uh, but each snowflake, unique, different. Each blade of grass, different. And then you go wider to a very lovely province. It's La Belle Provence, um, and the foothills and the mountains there, the, uh, the rivers, the Saguenay, the St. Lawrence. It's a lovely province. And you let your eyes wander to the far coast, to the east and to the west, Uh, Newfoundland, the Maritimes, British Columbia. I have a son in British Columbia and a daughter in Alberta. Two of our four kids are keeping us Canadian honest. They live in the west. And it's lovely to visit them because these two corners of Canada are special and wonderful. And I think God smiled when he was done putting this this, uh, country together. It's a lovely country. Six and a half time zones. Sun, moon, stars. Uh, If you have the bloody uh, moon that you saw just a few days ago. And then God putting all of that together. God of creation. One thing that is easy to overlook is that God's movement in creation, both in chapters 1 and 2, Genesis 1 and 2, it ends with and it concludes with... His creation of a man and a woman, that's chapter one, and a husband and a wife in chapter two. A man and a woman in one, and a husband and a wife in two. And the principle seems to be that if you have difficulty being a good husband or a good wife in two, you're a good mathematician, you go back to one. Right? You go back from two to one. And most husbands who struggle being husbands need to be better men. Most wives who struggle with being a wife need to be better women. So one can help too. But that's the end of God's whole creative process. He says when man and woman are made, when a husband and a wife are there holding hands and uh, looking, yeah, some at God mainly at each other. It says, wow, God, I, I never dreamed it could be so good. So that's the last thing God created. So we talk about the sun, the moon, the stars, the Geography of a country like this one, it's a stunning beauty and variety, but even better, God said, there's no way I can top this, is what you saw in your mirror this morning. And it's okay to look in the mirror on a Sunday or any other morning and say, to him who alone does great wonders. To him who alone does great wonders. And you don't have to play the game. God, I'd be a bit more satisfied if I had a bit less of this and a bit more of that. And if we can make some adjustments here, He likes you as you are. To Him who alone does great wonders. And see what that means in your morning there. Tomorrow's a good start. Okay? Then a world that was created wonderfully well falls, it uh, goes wrong. Um, human beings fail, and they fail themselves and each other, often badly. Uh, the, the planet is mixed up. We toss gum wrappers and Coke cans out of the window. God is not happy. The whole thing is going to be redeemed. Verse 10, to him who struck down the first one of Egypt, brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And the strange concept that occurred to me some years ago when I read through this psalm again, this be Thanksgiving psalm, is that one of the best ways to be thankful is not only to look around at creation and r- remind yourself again of the family holiday that you took wherever last summer, and look at the pictures again or the Shutterfly book and say, boy, the way God put that park together. Or that piece of terrain, mountains and streams and rivers and waterfalls, and all the rest is wonderful. But to get the redemption process underway, it starts best if we recognize that we 're surrounded by dead bodies. It 's a strange thing isn 't it that be thankful for redemption means that you 're thankful that you 're surrounded by dead Egyptians thousands of them, the finest charioteers, and the chariot—six 600, Pharaoh's finest. And as you walk on the far shore, and they have just drowned, and you're standing there with the feet happily drying on, on dry ground, and all these bodies around you, and what happens, Moses and Miriam promptly organize a worship service surrounded by corpses. Surrounded by corpses, and that's the right way to celebrate redemption. That God has taken the main enemy, the sly one, the one who wants to bring us down and said, no, he's done. He's finished. I've got your back and I'm going to protect you from this point onward. And all those things that uh, want to dehumanize you and spoil your closest relationships. And you think things are bad at work. But then I walk through the front door and they're even worse at home. My wife does not respect me. My children do not understand me. And you've got to go back to the corpses, the things that spoil the relationship. God says they are done, they're finished, they're buried, they're back in the Red Sea. And now I'm setting you free for a journey. You notice that to him who led his people through the desert. To him who led his people through the desert. Forty years of journey on ahead from one body of water to another. That story is wonderful. They're liberated from one Reality in Goshen and Egypt and slavery, 430 years, cross that body of water, and there's the Jordan River. Uh, Jordan Wood's uh, email address is beyond Jordan. Very nice. Beyond Jordan. There's another body of water that's waiting. And a wonderfully realistic touch. The Egyptian corpses are surrounding you, but as you walk from one day and one week, and it's 40 years of struggle in that. Sinai wilderness journey there are still some temptations that are going to try to trip you up and remind you of another life and be tempted to uh, give in in weak times and instead of uh, being quiet and listening to your wife you snap back you know her weak spots you know which buttons to push when you get a little tense you push the buttons and it doesn't help very much so those temptations I call them By strange names, they're Sion and Og. He struck down great kings, killed mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan. They were waiting for the Israelites before they crossed the Jordan. So while we're on that journey, there's still those amazing temptations. They're called Sion and Og, and we can defeat them and kill them in uh, the Song language. But when we're tempted, to say something unkind and unfair about somebody else just to raise our own status and estimation among friends. It's called gossip. It's vicious. ah, The temptation is there or because you've got your computer facing the wrong way in your office. It should be facing toward the door and not the window. You can find stuff on there that does not help you. It doesn't help your wholesome relationships with the women in the office, certainly not your wife. But if somebody wanders into the office, you can quick hit delete and act as innocent as possible because it's facing the window. Let that computer face the door. And lest you fall prey to Sion and Og, who have uh, lots of pornography access in the Internet that you won't. So. He gave the land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his servant Israel. And then it gets very personal, 23, 4, and 5. To the one who remembered us in our low estate, us, and freed us from our enemies, who gives food to every creature. I call these three the personal sense, creation, redemption. Then God personally addresses us. It's eye to eye. Maybe we're sitting on a bench in a forest and his arms are on our shoulder. And he says, my game plan for you is to remember you. He remembers our low estate. He remembers us. He redeems us. He freed us from our enemies again and again. And he renews us, gives food to every creature. So we're strong enough to withstand the next ab and scion and, uh, that come our way. So he remembers. He redeems he renews us. Wonderfully, three words and three verses there that if you're if you're ever feeling forgotten and overlooked and you're with uh, 150 people here. But you know that you're going home to one plate and one set of cutlery and one glass and one remote because the only voices you generally hear are those from the television. So I says, I've not forgotten you. I remember you in your lowest states. I remember you. I know your name. And whatever temptations you face, I'm there to set you free, to provide a way out to redeem you. And then give you all you need. And the way of support, the way of someone who prays for you and says he'll pray for you and actually does. Uh gives food, physical food, yes, but other food for every creature. He keeps us alive. He keeps us strong. And then suddenly the uh, uh, telephone lens sweeps out, give thanks to the God of heaven. And the psalm closes with verse uh, 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Now, we've forgotten the, uh, the refrain so far. And... Uh, this is a, probably a little bit cheeky on my part, but for folks in other churches, uh, not Snowden, but in other churches who occasionally will say to me, you know, charismatic folks, Pentecostal churches, I don't get it. You know, I went to a service with a friend. He asked me to go uh, one or two weeks ago and they sang the same chorus. I had lost track four, five, six, nine, fifteen times. It was ridiculous. You know, the truth is there. Sing it once and get on to the next song or the collection or whatever. But to sing the same chorus over and over and over. Give me a break. Well, God says, what about 32? For his steadfast love endures forever. 32 times. 32 times. God doesn't mind. Why? Because he seems to know that uh, a good chorus is like drops of rain. And if you sing it only once, You're probably the exception to this, but if you sing it only once, it just kicks up the dust and dusty soil. You move on to the next song, and it's very, very wide but very, very shallow. The truth doesn't get in there because the roots of your soul are quite deep, and it takes a while for the rain to reach them. So to really soak that soil and get it to the bottom of the little roots, that need to say, ah, thank you, and generate into life, and it appears when it breaks ground, that may take, for some of us, 32 times. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. You can yawn, or you can go into that kind of a life situation where you say, I need to hear that 32 times before it really sinks in. But in spite of what he has just said about me, or in spite of something I was really hoping for that did not happen, in the invitation I was withdrawn, and I've been dreaming and preparing this for weeks, and I was withdrawn God is good all the time. It may take 32 times for that to really sink in for me to believe it. So, for his steadfast love, for his steadfast love, endorse forever. My picture of that is, and uh, I'll apologize right away to everyone here who's under 30, because if you're under 30 here this morning, you may not remember it's a computer screen. And when I first entered this very strange and still threatening world for me. We have these little guys, yellow with a smile, very yellow, very smiley. They're called Pac-Men. And the pac man on the screen would be lined up you know, like this. And these cheerful, happy, yellow little guys would, when activated, just take everything on the screen and and they would chew up and eat and uh, vanish everything on the screen. They were cheerful, but they were not about to be stopped across the screen like this. That part of it, I think I understood. I understand computers less of a year. But the little Pac-Man guy, I understand. Because you see, and that's where the sermon title comes from, these Pac-Man guys from the 1970s, I think, they're cannibals. They're cannibals. And they eat up everything in their past. So if you're truly, deeply thankful and God's rain has splashed deep down and nourished your soul, and it's not dry down here, but it's, it's moist, maybe even wet, then this little thing goes traveling across the screen and it just eats up. It's a cannibal for every area of complaint and whining and murmuring. Is the word in numbers. Complaining, whining, murmuring, uh, complaining about what you uh, do not have. The achievements that will probably never be yours. The way that your husband, your wife uh, just does not understand you. And the boy who at six couldn't stop talking to his dad now has one word syllables when he's 16. Um, and you complain and you complain about your wife your kids your boss Montreal traffic and of course prime season I just learned as an American Americans know nothing about Canada but uh, I learned three names in the last few days they're Stephen Harper and uh, Dustin Trudeau and Thomas Mulcair. absolute strangers to every American but these three provide a platform for lots of complaining right lots of complaining And uh, I've already been in conversations where the complaints are not focused on one or two of those three, but on all three. And everyone likes them. (laughs) So who am I going to vote for? Um, The person we had lunch with yesterday said, well, and he named the name. I'll be voting like this. (laughs) Well, there's little yellow guys on the screen that can help you address that issue of complaining too quickly, too often, and without discrimination. Allow the little Peckman guy to chew up the complaining spirits and the whining and the uh, negative, unhelpful attitudes that still inhabit uh, perhaps your, certainly my screen. Because uh, Canada has three gentlemen running for one party alone. Americans had 17 a few weeks ago. And uh, there's enough Americans that I know that would take every one of those 17 and vote like this. So, Canada, Canadian politics, not so good. It's better north of the border than south of the border. It really is. Next year is going to be an interesting year in my new home country. So, let the cannibal do its work. And learn to say thank you for creation, redemption, the fact that God... Uh, remembers you, redeems you, renews you, and let that chorus ring from this day through all 365 days, not just one day per year. So, uh, Jonathan, where are you? Jonathan, you stole a page from my book. Uh, you had us read that together, right? Uh, I had the same thing in mind. Uh, <laughs> Except, uh, as Jonathan got us started, I'm going to do it in a very, very similar way, uh, perhaps uh, slightly better. <laughs> Jonathan, don't complain now. But here's what I'm going to recommend. I'll look through. I'll work my way through the sum, and occasionally combine two or three lines for the sake of speeding things along a little bit. So we'll combine two or three lines, and I'll have you respond... Uh, For his steadfast love endures forever. For his steadfast love endures forever. And then when we get to that final one, he gives food to every creature, and I'll pause. And then I'll say, give thanks to the God of heaven, and ask all of you to stand up, take a deep breath, and say that refrain, for his steadfast love endures forever, as loud as you can. Okay? Okay? So that uh, it works its way right into your tomorrow and the rest of the year and maybe into 2016. Okay, so I'll work my way through the psalm with you. And then before the final one, stand, deep breath, and then as loud as you can. Okay, is that okay, Jonathan? Sound good to you? Okay, I think we're still friends. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to Elohim, the God of gods. Give thanks to Yahweh, the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by the understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth upon the waters. Set us up who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and the stars to govern the night. Set to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the desert. Who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings. Sion, the king of the Amorites, and Og king of Bashan. And gave their land as an inheritance, and inheritance to his servant, Israel. To the one who remembered us in our lowest state. And freed us from all our enemies. And who gives food to every single creature. Are you ready? Give thanks to the God of heaven. For his death, his love it sounds as if you mean it.